Rob Bro. He's your sports bro at KKAM.com and the Talk 1340 app. You guys are not doing any pass blocking. You're just stepping aside and letting them walk in. Pop, 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 pop. That's what I want. All of you around that ball. What's wrong with y'all? Don't play like some little girls. Y'all like y'all never played football before. Because of nothing. You hear me? They please just like we do. Yes, they sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. Yes, sir. I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay, then, let's play. But that's eating us too. That gets us too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. If you missed it last time, we had a great softball game. Monterey run ruling Lubbock High 10 to 0 in the bottom of the fifth inning. You can catch LISD Sports right here on KKAM every Tuesday and Friday night for the game of the day. One of the local LISD baseball or softball games will be on for your listening pleasure, generally with David Thetford. I called the game last night. Also last night, the Texas Tech baseball team fell on a walk-off again. This time to New Mexico on the road again. Am I worried about Texas Tech baseball on a four-game losing streak? No. Does it suck to lose to New Mexico? Yes. Does it sting a little worse coming off a sweep to Texas? Yes. Has this been the worst week in Texas Tech baseball in some time? Maybe so. <laughs> Am I worried at all about the season trajectory? No. You have a nine-game or seven-game homestand in the next nine days, I think. You'll play three against TCU. Tough series. You'll play a game at home against ACU. Then you'll play a three-game set against North Dakota State. Now, If on Sunday we're talking about another or a continued losing streak or a series loss, another series loss in Big 12 play, and all of a sudden you're talking about a must-win game against ACU and a must-win series and we really need to sweep North Dakota State, all right, I'll start to talk about it. But right now, I understand if other people are worried, I'm not worried. I think Owen Washburn is starting to see the baseball. Two for four yesterday. Kevin Bazell was five for five. 
Austin Green, after a pretty poor series, and Austin was three for five. Hudson White was three for five. There were some struggles elsewhere down the lineup, but you scored 10 runs. Gave up 11. And you had some weekend pitching do so. Was it a good day at the ballpark? No. But in baseball, it is a season-long journey, and I think people forget that sometimes. It is a season-long journey. In basketball, you play a lot of games. You start to get a scope of it. We'll know a lot more in a month. But I think from what we've seen so far, this team is pretty good. I think you're still a top three or four team in the Big 12. You know who else has lost midweek games to teams worse than them? Texas. TCU. Oklahoma State. Was it a bad loss coming off a sweep? Yes. Am I hitting the panic button or moving up my worried meter at all? No. Now, after this weekend, I think we can have some more detailed conversations because you'll be nine games into Big 12 play. I think that is a much, much better picture. But as it stands today, I'm, I'm not worried at all about Texas Tech baseball. I still see several sweeps available in Big 12 play. I still see opportunities abound in this schedule. You get to go to Stanford. That's a great, great spot to go play a top 20 team in the RPI and a top 10 team in the rankings on the road. By the way, the RPI is still wonky. You don't have enough games to make it really credible. Xavier is 12 and 12. They're 12 and 12. They're 12th in the RPI. Are you better than Xavier? 16 and 9 Miami. 12 and 12 Florida State. 12 and 11 Indiana State. UC Santa Barbara. All these teams are ahead of you in the RPI. I don't think they're better teams than you. That's just the math so far. Evansville. 11 and 10 Illinois. I think there's plenty of opportunity here. Does that alleviate how bad of a game it was yesterday? No. I want to reiterate, that was a terrible, terrible game. It hurt. This weekend was a terrible, terrible series. It hurt. But it doesn't break the year. There's a lot of baseball left. Baseball is a long, hard road. By the way, 
Did you see Dallas Baptist last night? Beating and shutting out Oklahoma State 8-0. to zero. Cal State Fullerton beat number 12 UCLA 15-5. to five. Iowa, number 25 Iowa, lost to Illinois State 5-3. Number 15 Campbell, lost to William & Mary 3-2. Number 8 East Carolina, lost to UNC Wilmington 9-3. Number 13 North Carolina, lost to number 19 Coastal Carolina 12-7. Was it a good loss? No. But this baseball team is not like the basketball team. It's just not. You don't have a gauntlet in front of you in the schedule. You're playing the gauntlet right now. Texas and Oklahoma State are two really good teams. You traveled to Austin, you had to get right back on the bus and go to New Mexico. That's a bad beat for the schedule. I do not foresee struggles to continue. Are you going to win out? No, you're going to lose. You're going to lose some more Big 12 games. You're going to lose a series you shouldn't. This team still has the ability to host. This team still has the ability to go to Omaha. Do you need pitchers to step up? Yes. Did Derek Bridges come in and pitch well? Yes. His first action. Limited. Just get him out there. See what he can do. He looked good. Bo Blessy in the wings. First texture of the day. Grande Pollo. What's good, he says. Tech baseball's in a rough stretch right now. Yes. Do we have a chance at winning the series and heaven forbid sweeping the Horn Frogs this weekend? Love Grande Pollo. Yes, you absolutely have a chance to win a series against TCU. Absolutely. Absolutely you can beat TCU. Looking forward to that series this weekend... Um, and I think you have a lot of opportunities to set your season on a much better course uh, than it currently is on. Uh, they're 16 and nine. They beat UT Arlington last night 14 to three. They are on a pretty good winning streak, but they played ACU Northwestern in Kansas. Their opening series against Oklahoma, they lost. In Norman, two out of three games. Now they have to go to Texas Tech. On the road this year, TCU lost at Texas State, 8-4. to four. They lost the series to Oklahoma on the road. They went two of three in sh at the Shriners in Houston, neutral site. 
They beat Dallas Baptist 4-1. to one. So they're about 500 on the road. True road games. They swept you last year in Fort Worth. I think that's in some of the minds of the coaching staff and the players. Two swings difference. One base running error difference in Austin. You win a game or two. That was a very close series that they swept you on. Very close series. It wasn't bad freaking baseball that makes you want to vomit like some fan accounts led you to believe this weekend. Those are three really close losses. You're really close to beating Texas twice. It's the way baseball go. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Bandwagon Wednesday. It's Rob Bro Show. Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Welcome back to Rob Rose Show Talk, one of the point nine news, money, sports. Me and Dell were singing a little runaway. I was flying. Yeah, running down a dream. Judging on the text line, it looks like we're gonna start talking about Grant McCasland. Oh, we got a baseball text. Uh, the offense is not the problem right now. Getting outs is it's not good when Tech scores four in the first and gives up five. Need to put up more zero-run innings. Yep, that's true. That is absolutely true. The offense is not the problem right now. Getting outs is, yeah, you need to be pitching better. You need to execute better. I would like to think if it is McCasland as Texas Tech's new coach, Okay. Sorry, I had to read this one to make uh, make sense of it. All right. The texter thinks it's McCasland, but is there any chance the delay is because they're waiting for the end of the NBA season to hire Billy Donovan? No chance they hire Darvin Ham because they're going to make the playoffs thanks to how bad the Mavs are finishing. Um, n- no, they're not waiting for the NBA season to finish. That would be way too long. Well, not way too. I guess they could wait for the NBA season to finish. Um, now, there's a chance it could not be Grant McCaslin. They have another guy in the mix. But uh, from what I can gather, um, it's not Billy Donovan. Could be. I'll answer it this way, Texter. Stranger things have happened. 
Uh, Jason Kidd sucks, by the way. Uh, okay, McCaslin has my vote with that game last night. Bring in some dogs and don't let anyone score. If you lose, your opponent doesn't score. Can't lose if your opponent doesn't score. That's true. Uh, bring in Ben McCullum and run the table in the Big 12. Maybe basketball will rebound this next year. Uh, zero chance you run the table in the Big 12 next year. I think there's enough smoke that Ben McCollum is at least being asked. And again, the Ben McCollum offense fits this defense. It fits the system. It's ball movement. It's half-court sets. It's running an offense. It's, it's acting like it's not just pickup ball on one side of the floor and well-coached machine on the other. It's not the three-man weave until you find a lane and then have some motion and be bad at back-cutting and all that that you were the last two years. That Sweet 16 offense was not very good. It stalled. It was slow. If Bryson Williams was off, the offense was off. You didn't have anybody that could create shots for the most part. You didn't really run sets beyond throwing it down low to Bryson Williams and letting him cook. The defense was elite last year, the year before last, whatever you're saying now. But that offense was not very good beyond what Bryson Williams was able to create. I would be very interested to see what tweaks McCaslin makes. But again, if you're hiring McCaslin, and I understand, you know, in some interviews that that uh, we've brought up a few times that, you know, he's running this system because it works in the Conference USA. But if you're hiring him, you're hiring him for that brand. You're hiring him to come do that in the Big 12. Now, what does it look like in the conference? What does it look like with uh, better coaching, better players, more resources, more time? All of that stuff is something that it can be discussed, but I don't think you're going to get Grant McCaslin to come in and run the run and shoot. I mean, you didn't hire Zach Kitley as the offensive coordinator to come run the wishbone. Now, you you had him make some changes. You had him shift philosophy. You had him play complementary as much as he could. But he's still running his offense. McCaslin's still going to run his system. It's going to look different, maybe, but... You're not going to come here and score 80 points a game all of a sudden. You're going to score about 65 and give up about 60 in the Big 12. You're going to make the tournament. And if you really have some dudes, you'll be a three seed. That's that's Texas Tech basketball right now. The next time Texas Tech makes a one or two seed... In the tournament, it'll be the first time they've done that. 
Can they? Yes. In the Big 12? Yes. Absolutely. You won the Big 12 and you were a three seed. Back to the text line. Do you think we will find out who they interviewed for the basketball job? Yes. I think there will be some candidates uh, out eventually after the process wraps up. And I think uh, via reporting from several different resources, uh, you already have a pretty good idea of who they interviewed Now, I, I do think there are more guys you reached out to that maybe did a preliminary or just, a, ah, you know what, interested last time, but I think I'm set this time kind of stuff. But yeah, that, that all comes out after the coaching search. But I really don't know how extensive this coaching search was. I mean, McCaslin was one of the names, one of the finalists, whatever you want to call it, in the last go-round. He had two pretty good years there at North Texas. He continued his build. I really do think that McCaslin was the primary target. Beyond maybe swinging at some bigger names. Kicking the tires on some bigger names. But you are coming out a level of you are coming out of a level of dysfunction. I think McCasland is a solid coach. Again, not a, not opposed to it. Not all the way on the bandwagon of McCasm, but certainly not off of it. And I can absolutely talk myself into saying, hey, McCasland is a winner. That's what I want, right? I want a winner. He's won everywhere. He has the attitude, he has the energy that you look for in a basketball coach. He's got the the resume that feels like he can jump to the next conference. He beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater. And you just assume that the double T brand in basketball right now with the Womble, the NIL, the opportunities in Lubbock, Texas, yes, Lubbock, Texas, will boost recruiting. It's kind of what you just have to rely on, right? All right let's take another break. When we come back, more texters, more bandwagons. It's the Rob Bro Show, Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports.
Welcome back. It's Rob Bro Show Talk, 103.9 News Money Sports. I uh, was looking for that McCollum McCasland article, uh, and I found a different one on CBSSports.com. You just want to read a line from it. Or a, a section. Uh, that that may make you feel better or worse about McCasland coming in. Uh, one of the one of the hardest things for a successful young head coach to do is abandon what made him or her good to begin with. That's exactly what happened after McCaslin's second season at North Texas. The team was seventeen and one, the best start in school history, while scoring at the top thirty-five rate nationally and ranked seventeenth in two-point shooting and eighteenth from three. But eventually, it fell off after a slew of injuries. At one point, there were five scholarship players available to play after that season. McCaslin decided to blow it all up, so he came to North Texas as an offensive coach. Listen, here it is. After that season, McCaslin decided to blow it all up. He'd handle the offense, and Hodge would take the defense, his top assistant. That offseason, Hodge met with Mark Adams. Now they run the side or no middle defense concept that's been, at least in part, copied around the country. This is from 2022. I said we're not going to be able to we're not going to be scoutable and we're going to run ball screen motion. We're not going to run plays, McCaslin says. He met with JUCO star coach Ben McCollum to revamp the offense. Hodge's defense has been the key, though. When I went to D two, he took over at Midland, so I feel like he's a co head coach. McCaslin said. That's been the staple to what we're doing. It's been done content continuity as a staff. There's a consistent message. North Texas scheme is based on the principle of having interchangeable parts. Uh, at Texas Tech, they called that the positionless basketball. Anyone can guard anyone. They're one of the tougher scouts in the sport, which will again make them a problem for whichever team gets assigned to them in the first round of the NCAAs. Bell and Murray were the best defenders the past two years. Here's the line I was getting to. This thing's pretty tight right now, McCaslin said. I'm not joking about this. I thought Mark Adams was the best defensive coach in the country. Scott Drew used to laugh at me when I'd say that. Now he runs their defense and has beaten them twice this year. This is, again, in 2022. I think Ross Hodge is the best coach in the country that nobody knows about. He won 90% of his team games in JUCO at Midland in Paris. You don't win 90% of that level unless you can coach your brains out. Now, some of that... Feels like you're getting a younger coach with the same style. But the main difference, it feels like, is that McCasland has been amenable to change. Whereas Mark Adams, in the last two years, did not feel amenable to change. 
Now, maybe he gets to the Big 12 and finds a brand new way. But to me, he's going to come in and look at what Baylor has done with no middle defense, with an offense. Scott Drew was lost at Baylor. They were fine. They went to an Elite Eight or two, and then they kind of fell off. They could really recruit to Waco, but didn't ever feel like he had coaching acumen. And then he sees what Texas Tech is doing and starts doing it better than Texas Tech. They won a national championship doing what Texas Tech did to get to a national championship. Scott Drew has run Mark Adams' system better than Mark Adams in the last two years. Now, Adams went to a Sweet 16. Scott Drew did not. But regular season-wise, beyond that one year where Mark Adams got him, Baylor has been better than Texas Tech since 2019. Ben McCollum feels like an answer offensively to move up. Now, McCollum, I guess you can call it the, the, the motion offense, whatever you want to do, but he has the 12-pass offense. It is incredible ball movement, which you do not see, have not seen at Texas Tech, at least consistently. But if you can commit... On the defensive end, let the air out of the ball on defense and then have incredible ball movement on the offensive end to have efficient scoring, you can win in the Big 12. You can. Baylor does it. Kansas does it. Kansas State did it this year. TCU does it. You just have to be better at it than everyone else. Texter, you said it best, not totally on, not totally off, but after two weeks of talking about how great the job is, this hire feels underwhelming, and I hope I look back and say, what was I thinking? I agree. I agree, but if if it is McCaslin and McCollum, then you hired two head coaches. And I do think that's a level of commitment from both of those guys who could both be Division One coaches, could both be Power 5 coaches, in my opinion, to commit to coming here together. And if that does happen, I don't think McCollum would be here long. But that does feel like a Beard Adams-esque hire, where Adams is a longtime head coach, commits to being under Chris Beard for five seasons. And you had a really good back and forth with those two. Doughboy. I'm off the wagon of hiring this cat just because he beat OSU in Stillwater. I mean, is that the only accolade we seem to be focusing on? That's one thing I said out of about ten accolades. And that happened after you uh, had decided to hire him, I'm pretty sure. Does McCaslin run an offense like what Cooper runs, where you just hold the ball forever until a shot opens up? Uh, Yeah, currently, similar, yeah. 
I mean, there's a shot clock. Uh, but similar, yeah. I, I don't think that's what he will run in the Big 12, though. I think it's been good enough where he is. I don't think... I don't think that's what he'll continue to do. Um, and I wish I could find the quote. I will find it, and we will uh, use it tomorrow, the quote that McCollum had, or I'll try to find it in the next break. But but again, McCasland is more than just his NIT run. Uh, McCasland should have been in two or three NCAA tournaments, but Conference USA, you know, they only get one team in, and FAU was better this year. FAU's in the final four. And again, I joked about Conference USA basketball earlier as the best basketball conference, but Charlotte won the CBI. It's a rematch between UAB and North Texas in the NIT finals, and FAU has an opportunity to play for a national championship this weekend if they get through the final four game against uh, Creighton. Uh, San Diego State. Sorry. That's a legitimate opportunity. You have some really good coaches in Conference USA. That's a a much better basketball conference than I gave it credit for. Um, And and again, I was really excited about uh, Grant McCaslin. All these nicknames are killing me. McGuire. McCaslin. McCullum. Uh, but you, I was really excited about McCaslin two years ago. Really excited. And if it wasn't Harvin, uh, <laughs> I'm really struggling right now. If it wasn't Darvin Ham and Adams, I wanted McCaslin. Uh, I was absolutely on board with Adams once they hired him. I just didn't think they would. But yeah, McCasland, I was excited about two years ago. It's just that he's still at North Texas, so I'm I'm just kind of reserved now. But all of the characteristics are still there. Winner. Open to change. Adaptable. Not stuck in his ways. Guys come back and play for him. You have the buy-in of the program at North Texas. You have coaches that want to coach with him. Like these are all great qualities. And I do think he is qualified for a power five job. And I think he's qualified for the Texas tech job. But again, we were sold a big splash or at least we talked ourselves into one. So McCaslin doesn't feel like a splash. He's a great coach, though. And again, if he wins here, I'm not going to care if he wins 55 to 40 or 95 to 82. As long as he's winning. 55, 54, 72, 71. Like as long as the buzzer goes off and you're ahead, I don't care. I don't care if Joey and Kitley win three to two. Just want to win. And what has McCaslin done? He's won. All right, let's take another break. The final break of the afternoon. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. 
It's Rob Rose Show Talk, 103.9 News, Money Sports. Welcome back. All right, here's the article, and it's just a screenshot, so I'm going to have to figure out where this is from, but I will read the article I referenced uh, during the Raiderland and during this show. Uh, This is about Grant McCasland and his offensive system where he... He he brings in a great offense, switches to the no middle defense, and just tanks the offense. And he's trying to figure out how to get back to being a good offense while playing elite defense. Three years ago, Grant McCaslin had just finished his first year at North Texas when he went to a college coach symposium weekend. It was there that McCaslin met McCollum. McCaslin was in the beginning stages of a rebuild and was excited at what he'd accomplished offensively that year. He took over a team that ranked 315th in adjusted offensive efficiency and got the mean green to 162 in year one. Again, we just read earlier, that's the year they dealt with injuries. They were really good up until the end of the year, and they fell off. He asked for McCollum's feedback on his offense. He said, you're really easy to guard and predictable. This offense isn't any good, McCollum told him after watching the tape. McCaslin was staggered by the verbal haymaker. And he went home to study McCollum's offense so he could find a retort. His approach had to have had some holes, he thought. McCollum's offense defied the modern principle that playing with pace equals efficiency with the results justified his beliefs. He scores in the half court. He scores more points than anybody that tries to play fast. McCaslin says he just is against the grain in so many ways. He orchestrates an offense that has elite precision, but with ultimate freedom, which is the greatest complement of a disciplined team. A year later, after experimenting with some different offenses, McCaslin went back to McCollum and asked for help adopting the Bearcat way. His team made a monstrous jump from 265th adjusted offense to 34th and one Conference USA this past season. North Texas won the Conference USA automatic bid and upset Purdue in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. He changed the trajectory of our program in a lot of ways. So McCaslin already runs the McCollum offense, but he just doesn't run it as well. And it was McCollum that said, hey man, your offense stinks. And at some point in the timeline, he also adopted the no middle defense, the no side defense, or the side defense. You push him outside. So again, if you're if you're getting the pair of McCasland and McCollum, you're you're not going to have an offense that 
plays with pace. That's what Peary is. People want Peary because Peary was here before. But you cannot run the McCaslin system. You can't run the Mark Adams system. You can't run the no-middle defense with Peary's offense. That's why you didn't do it while he was here. But can you run the 12-pass offense and be extremely efficient and disciplined on both ends of the floor and be a nightmare for opposing teams and be, quote, un, uh, unscoutable? That sounds pretty good. If you can have elite defense to pair with an elite offense and really the only elite offense that pairs with it by being slow and methodical and disciplined on both ends of the floor, when you went to the national championship, that's what you did. Now, I'm going to say a team that people are going to bristle at because they lose in the tournament a lot and they've lost to a <laughs> really bad seeds, but that's what Virginia does. You just have to do it really well. And there's, I guess, not much margin for error, but you look at Baylor the last few years, you want to be Baylor. You do. And you could be if you hired McCaslin and McCollum, allegedly. Yeah, this section says I love story time with Robert. Yeah, I'm a brutal uh reader. I don't I don't read well. I try not to read articles like that, but those two clips from articles on McCasland is why I'm not out on McCasland. Now, do they fire me up and make me feel like he's a home run? No, but I do see the potential. I see why the committee wants to hire him if that's the case. Does it help that he beat the the, the Cowboys in the NIT? In a small way, yes. Does it help that he's changed his philosophy twice while at North Texas while maintaining wins? Yes. Does it help that he went and sought help from another great coach and the the coach told him he was terrible and he listened and adapted? Yes. All of that helps. Do I have worries that he can recruit elite talent to Texas Tech? I have worries that he hasn't done it yet, but I don't have worries that Texas Tech can't draw talent. We've seen that, right? Scott Drew has been really adaptable over the last five years, and his program has gotten way better. Bill Self plays to his roster, coaches to his roster. 
you really just had one way to do things. And when you didn't have the roster to fit it at Texas Tech, you struggled. You had the perfect roster in Mark Adams' first year for Mark Adams' system. The perfect roster. You had a perfect roster in 2019 with Tariq Owens erasing anything they got through and Matt Mooney and Jarrett Culver being elite perimeter defenders. You had a pretty damn good roster in the Elite Eight run. You, you've had rosters. You can't have rosters here. And I think with McCasland, you just have to trust that he can coach to his roster and make adjustments midseason and during games which you've not seen or you didn't see this year at least you didn't really see it in the Jemias Rams year or the Matt McClung year either you just kind of kept beating the wall alright we will take a break for a day come back tomorrow Raiderland back on at 11am we're almost through March which is crazy. It's going to be April here pretty soon. We'll have some big news for you there in April as well. It's the Rob Bro Show. Raiderland tomorrow at 11 a.m. I've been Rob Bro. I'll be Rob Bro. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340, its advertisers, staff, management, or Town Square Media.